Tonight's final bout is for the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship, scheduled for one fall or two curfew. Gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice are the most powerful forces of good ever assembled. The last of the Titans. In the passion and death of their struggle, the very art that had raised them to such Olympian heights was lost. Their techniques vanished. Referee giving instructions here to both principals, and this should be one whale of a match to wind up things here in Madison Square Garden. All right, fans of the Titans of Wrestling, if you're digging this show, you got to know that we've been doing them for a while. We've got an archive of shows that you're going to blow your mind. Just head on over to the Place to Be Nation to check them out. Titans of Wrestling Archives, you know you want to hear it. This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com. The only place to be in your pop culture world. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Titans of Wrestling, episode number 51. On this special episode, I, Johnny Sorrow, will be hosting, uh, and Parv is going to be part of the panel. That being because I couldn't really watch the footage due to outside circumstances that we're not going to get into. But Parv is gracious enough to let me be the host of this show while uh, he and Pete and Kelly give their insight onto this 1981 WWF footage that we're going to see. A few things I have seen, but I'm going to sit back and uh, let the guys handle it. So uh, how you doing, Parv? Uh, I'm doing very well, Johnny. Glad you could make it. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, my play got canceled, and uh, that's what I'm doing. How was your vacation? Great, yeah. I, uh, I've i been to Amsterdam, uh, Laura Canals, Laura Weed. <laughs> hey, that's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. Pete, how are you? I'm, I'm feeling feeling good, and I'm uh, I'm just picturing Har- a par of just scratching himself, not uh, not being comfortable and not being able to host the Titans. Just, uh, yeah, no. I can see him I, going nuts. I was picturing him on vacation knowing that all that NWA Classics footage was out there, and he still had to be on vacation and, uh, <laughs> and not you know, be immediately going all over it. As he has been since. <laughs> then, of course, from the Great White North, our very own Kelly Nelson. How are you doing, Kelly? I am doing great as always. Um, I'm. Uh, this will be interesting with you hosting, Johnny. Um, now, uh, Pete will be the only one, I guess, that hasn't hosted a Titans show. So, uh, not true. Not, not true, true at all. Because he hosted oh, Titans number yeah. fifty. Yeah. The, the interview with Bruce Tharp. Tha- Tha- so. Thank yeah. you, Barb. How the mighty have fallen and already forgot in the last episode. <laughs> hey, well, what I have you done it. for me lately? <laughs> <laughs> wow, so we've all hosted now. Oh, cool. So I think we're just going to get right to it and start with our first match. And this is from 1017, uh, WWF TV, something I remember uh, very well for lots of different reasons. Uh, it is Tony Gurria and Rick Martel versus Mr. Fuji and Mr. Saito for the tag team titles on WWF TV. This was also on, I believe, the tag teams uh, tape that Coliseum yeah. released. Uh, I think it was even on a, a previous one before the tag teams one came out. Very yeah. famous match. Yeah, I think just the the finish, pretty much, uh, mm-hmm. the tag teams tape. So this was the, the full match here. 
Nice. So, Pete, what can you tell us? Man, I uh, really enjoyed the match. I gave it three and a quarter stars. Uh, we had a hot, hot. Uh, I don't. I don't want to call it an arena, but a hot, a hot. It's not, and it's not a studio, but it's it's a hot a little action crowd going. Um, the faces use basic psychology, and they're going after the arm, and and they they really do have great babyface psychology. The Korea Martel tag team kind of reminds me of the Fantastics, and either one of them could be the face in peril. Either one of them could uh, take the. Uh, to be the to take the shine, so they're they're interchangeable parts, just like the Fantastics, and they're both really good at doing both roles. And uh, like Martel's better at it than Gurria, just like Tommy Rogers is better than Fulton at it. But both well, all four men are really good at it. Um, and here Gurria plays face in peril, and uh, he's you know he's working good underneath. And I, uh, you, you know, you have uh, Martel's eagerness to, uh, cost them, and you get a little bit more heat on Gurria. Um, and of course, Martel comes in, and he's just a freaking fantastic hot tag. And then the then we get some interesting stuff. And then the finish, man, is just like amazing. Um, I mean, the timing on this and the actual salt getting right in his eyes was spot on, perfect. It was like a five star finish. And Martel's sell of it is freaking phenomenal. You believe mm-hmm. that he's actually actually blinded and he's in a lot of pain and. You can't ask for much better of a sell job than that. Really good match for all, all four guys. Exciting, and it's a real good way to get a, a good heel team over, and then and then uh, going forward as the heel tag champions. All right, uh, Kelly, uh, what do you got to say? Yeah, well, I really like this too. It was it was great to see it in full for the first time after seeing it on the tag teams tape, you know, a ton of times back in the day. Uh, that's one of the great things about doing these shows is seeing all these. Uh, tag uh, switches in full for the first time because on that tape it was usually just the the finish that they would put on it yeah so yeah uh martel and Gria have been uh great um you know uh the wwf tag scene was pretty weak as we've talked about um so far uh through 79 up till 81 but uh martel and Gria have been a really good team and yeah um a lot of arm drags uh early and uh, that's that's good babyface work. Um, it was an interesting matchup between the two teams because you have on one side you have uh, Gurria and Martel, the young guy, old guy, and on the other side you kind of have uh, a young guy, old guy. Sort of, no, I guess Saito is actually not that young, but the styles that they they represented, uh, Fuji and Gurria were kind of the 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 um, the slower old fashion WWF style uh more phony looking kind of and and Saito and and Martel were were looking forward to the future um work rate uh guys so you had one on each side um Ooh. yeah uh Martel's uh house of fire after the hot tag was great uh the crowd was of course uh, really into it um a lot of women uh noticeable uh, screams and screeches uh, for Martel, just like he no, had. That, that was that was par. Yeah, that, that, that was that was par all the way from Europe. You heard <laughs> And uh, like Pete said, like the finish was just timed perfectly uh, with the the salt or whatever it really was catching him in the face uh, off the body press. And uh, I mentioned this uh, before in an earlier episode. When I saw this as a kid, I thought Martel was legit blinded because the way he sold it and they brought in the towel and all that and it was, it was freaky um, 
And I love Vince's uh, call when they go to the replay afterwards, slow-mo on the uh, the salt in the face. And, and Vince says, nothing but pure salt right in the face. <laughs> <laughs> so outrageous. Um, that that should be a drop on uh, maybe Brainbuster. I think that call. <laughs> Ooh, that's nice. Uh, real quick, before we go to Parv, I just want to mention that I, uh, when I first saw this on videotape, the very next day, I was at a friend's house and we were building a dog kennel uh, and using cement. Uh, and I was telling my two friends all about this awesome match I saw and and how they just hit hit Martel in the face with all this salt. And just then my best friend Brad reaches up with a handful of sand. He goes, what, like this? <laughs> and throws it right in my open eyes, oh. blinding me with sand in my eyes. So, I, I'm like, so it's scratching my cornea, and I'd be led to the bathroom to wash it all out, and I was freaking out that I thought I was I was selling even uh, better than Martel uh, and because it really happened I'm like you fucker you blinded me and, uh, but yeah so that, that match uh, always <laughs> has a lot of memory to me Parv um, well, I mean first of all classic Alan time Joe McHugh on the intros um, I just uh, I just dig that every time I see him now um, uh, the, other, the other thing I wrote here just going in uh, this is a tag match on TV prediction. We're getting a switch <laughs> because every yeah. single time you get a tag title match on TV, there's a switch. Uh, that's Pretty one, much, it's one thing we've yeah. learned. Um, Martel's opening arm drag sequence is always so awesome. Like, we've seen it quite a few times now, but it's mm-hmm. just a really, really good shine. I mean, th- I was thinking about this during this match because, uh, as Pete said, Gurria worked the, as the face in peril here, and he was Gurria's perfectly solid, you know. Um, like I, I nominated him for the greatest wrestler ever thing. Not that I think he is he is one of them, but he is probably better than like a lot of the four hundred odd guys who have been nominated. So um, that that was that. But my thought my thought during this match was that um, uh, there is no aspect of what a babyface had to do in a tag match that Martel isn't amazing at. He is great at the opening shine he is great as the face in peril and he is tremendous as the house of fire he is mm-hmm. like a complete tag worker if you if you uh break it down like that like is there mm-hmm. anything he can't do talk <laughs> yeah i mean well talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so tr- tr- just really good uh the selling of the salt was great as we've uh talked about. i gave it three and a half uh pete what, what was your rating three and a quarter Three and, yeah, okay. Well, I don't give the quarter, so yeah, right, right around the same place. Uh, yeah, really, really good. And the, the, I mean, the other, my other note on this is that um, I think by far these four guys are the best combination of four guys we've had in the various different tag feuds, uh, which isn't saying a lot because the tag division has largely sucked. But yeah, um, I really like these two teams, so I hope we get a bit more of them. Hey, we mm-hmm. have one right afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we do. Ask and, and you shall be... receive. Yeah, exactly, Pete. Uh, our next match is Mr. Fuji and Mr. Saito versus Rick Martel and Tony Gurria for the tag titles. Uh, I believe this is from Madison Square Garden. Yes. All right, Pete, lead us off. Yeah, again, this is uh, 
you know, uh, pretty much similar to the last match, except it's uh, more fleshed out and they have a little bit more time. And uh, yeah, but again, I gave it like three and a quarter stars. We get a super hot opening and the heels take a powder. I always like that. Um, and the faces go after the arm. And I got to say, Korea's top rope stomp was pretty damn wicked. It might have been, uh, I was really uh, one of the better moves I've seen in a while, as, as, in, uh, as it looked like it hurt the hell. Um, and, of course, we got Martel in the face in peril role this time, just like we're talking, like I was, my talking point was, how they're able, both, they're able to play both roles, and, and Parv agreed. Um, and his, his face in peril was just <laughs> great. And then we got a double face in peril because Korea played for it, played a, for it a little bit, uh, but it built to a pretty shitty finish. Uh, overall, though, the guy, both teams, they really do have really good chemistry together, and they're real dynamic together. And, yeah, they, they uh, like Parv was alluded to earlier, they uh, – uh, these four smoke any feud we've had so far as a tag team uh, a title feud. Uh, we like the Valiant Brothers, but they, they didn't have a, a partner. These four uh, have a have people they can work with. It makes all the difference in the world when you have good baby faces and good heels so you can get heat. All right, Pete, since I didn't watch it, before I move on to Kelly, what was the finish that you thought was uh, disappointing? I, off the top of my head, I didn't write it down because I, I just wrote shit finish. <laughs> Okay. Uh, and I watched it this morning, but I've also watched a ton of wrestling this morning. Uh, okay, well, so well, I can't even remember what what it was. Okay, so we'll edit that out. Yeah. Um, you know, if I edit out, one of these guys will probably fill it in. I hope somebody remembers the shit. Yeah. Well, let's go to you, Kelly. Uh, yeah. Just before I go into these notes, I will say uh, I thought the series with uh, Gria and Martel against the Moon Dogs had some pretty good matches in it too. Although it had some duds i think as well but um yeah but i mean that the common uh denominator in that is agree and martel so they've been producing for sure uh albano at the beginning is wearing sunglasses uh before the match starts it was interesting look maybe it was uh Maybe he's particularly hungover or something for this uh his eyes would have to be really bloodshot to (laughs) to wear those yeah, and I don't know if you guys have noticed, but Vince in MSG, his commentary is totally different than Vince on TV. Um, at MSG, Vince is totally he's more subdued, very you know you know almost you know soft spoken in a way. Whereas on TV, he he has you know he's already developed sort of the Vince that becomes more. Uh, uh, popular later in the 80s uh, with his outraged calls and stuff. Is it because uh, he's maybe trying to sell the audience on buying a ticket? That's yeah, like, you know? that's, a, that's a good point. I, it, it just struck could me. Could have been time-traveling, Kelly. Yeah, it could have been, ta- been. been time-traveling. <laughs> it, it could also have been the fact that the TV that's syndicated, they own. They have to be on the MSG network, so maybe the MSG network you know, expected something a little different more serious yeah yeah no i just noticed it this time because we watched the two matches back to back and he definitely yeah on uh msg shows he rarely gets upset you know when the heels do something uh outrageous or whatever or at least as upset as he does on uh the saturday tv anyway to the match um yeah this was a good one too i'd never seen this match before so that was cool um really hot crowd uh, Martel was put in a Boston Crab 
uh, at one point, and which would be shades of or uh, foreshadowing, I guess, for uh, Martel's future as uh, he used that move, and he also had that move used against him in a famous match. Um, yeah, awesome monkey flip of uh, Saito onto Fuji at one point by Martel. I thought that was really cool. And yeah, it, I mean, the finish was basically uh, things broke down into a double team on Guria. And the ref called for the bell pretty quickly, you know. But it, that was because the finish, that was the finish. I mean, and the the plan is to have a, a future match, a grudge match with, um, you know, a stipulation or something. I, I know there is one more match at MSG that we're going to look at between these two teams. And I think Pat Patterson's the ref, uh, if I'm not oh. mistaken. Yeah, so, so this worked as far as it's going to build towards something else uh that's typical booking for wwf to always have a uh a schmoz if you're doing a series of matches between two sides so yeah it was a good match all right parv what do you think um yeah well i really like this match quite a lot um loved the the, at one point um sato had a heat sequence on martel which was really uh, great I, re- I I dug the hell out of him throwing suplexes on uh, Tony Guerrilla. That was that was quite a lot of fun. Um, I think uh, Sato and Fuji are a great combo. Like you got Sato the you know the ass kicker and Fuji like the all stooging, all shtick kind of Memphisy heel as he is. So and uh, I I think they make for a really fun combination. You know. Um, so yeah, I gave it three and three quarters. Uh, so I was pretty high on this match. Um, I'm just wondering, did we ever do a bio of uh, Sato? Because uh, if not, I may have some material for us, fellas. Oh, please do. <laughs> well, yes, um, so the, my Greg Oliver um, um, heels, faces, and tag teams books, unfortunately, don't have uh, Sato <laughs> in them. Um, but I do have two other books that I can draw on. This is uh, the official WWE Encyclopedia updated and expanded written by i want to say kevin sullivan but not that one yes written by brian shields and kevin sullivan (laughs) Um, my other book is the tough stuff professional wrestling field guide uh (laughs) written written by christian pope it's got legend and law written on it okay um now a little brain buster star question for you johnny here Okay. okay so I had to find Sato. I had to go to the S section of the field guide. But in the WWE book, he is listed under M as Mr. Sato. Okay. Ah. Now, mm. there are six other Misters listed in this official WWE guide. Can you name those six Misters? Can you guess who they are? Okay, there's six others besides Mr. Saito? One, two, three, four. Yes, yeah, six other Misters listed in when, this guy. When did it end? When did the thing end? 2011, you said? When did the... When did the... Uh... When was it published? I think it was published last year. Hold on. Okay. I'll go Mr. McMahon. Incorrect. No. I'll, 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 I'll say Mr. Perfect. Mr. Perfect is there. I'll say Mr. Fuji. Mr. Fuji is there. I'll say, gosh, six. That's Mr. Kennedy. Mr. Kennedy. Mr. Kennedy. Is there. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Mr. There Kennedy you go. is there. That's it. Um, There's three. Uh, oh gosh, someone from the sixties. Uh, they didn't do uh, Mr. Tanaka, did they? Uh, no. No. 
Now, mm. now, one of them, you've got to think, like WWE history. A little bit outside of the box, but <sighs> famous. Yeah, Mr. You, T. Mr. T. Mr. T. Oh, right. Mr. T. Mr. T. Of course, is there. Mr. T. One of them. Oh, you, that was easy. One of them, that, oh, that was easy too. One uh, of them, you have to think. Um, yeah, I mean, he did wrestle in WWE, of course. Nineties. Um, that's my clue. <laughs> and the other one, not necessarily associated with WWE, but he did wrestle there. But maybe some people wouldn't know that he did. Yeah, you, you stumped me, man. Go ahead. Well, one of them is Mr. Wrestling 2. Oh, uh, of course. Okay. Terry yeah. Funk at the Garden, 85. Yep. Yeah. And the other one is Mr. Hughes. Mr. Uh, Hughes! Yeah. <laughs> he, was, uh, he, uh, he, was, uh, he was Triple H's bodyguard. Yeah, uh, we should have got it. Yeah, those are the ones we should have got. No, he was yeah. Wasn't he Sean's bodyguard? No. Mr. He was Triple H's bodyguard. Oh, no, sorry. Bodyguard. Sorry, that was, uh, that was Diesel. Wait. Briefly, Triple H's bodyguard. Yeah. yeah. I thought, oh, Triple the, H brain buster, a, I thought yeah. the Brain Buster champion would have. I know. I'm nice. glad that didn't come up on the show because I would have. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> no, 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 no. The, the Brain Buster champion just backed off because he doesn't give it away for free. <laughs> yeah, he only. On the big shows. He only defends. He only defends when the title's on the line. He doesn't do jobber <laughs> matches. I remember yeah. him, he, only, he only does formula on tight ends. He does his big bumps on brain busters. Exactly. Mr. Hughes was around in 93. Do you remember that? He, he was in the King of the Ring tournament. Uh, remember? Yeah, that's... 1993? Yeah, he uh, didn't last very yeah. long that time either. Um, all right, so so Mr. Sato, this is what it says in the uh, encyclopedia, okay? Um, a former Japanese Olympian, Mr. Sato was admired within a- amateur wrestling circles for his superior technical skills. When it came to his professional career, he refused to rest solely on his previous laurels. Instead, Sato developed a punishing high-impact offense coupled with a, a complete disregard for the rules, which helped round out his impressive repertoire. Mr. Sato's impressive list of NWA championship partners includes Ivan Koloff, Mr. Sato, and Gene Knitsky. However, it wasn't until 1981 that he reached the pinnacle of the tag team wrestling. Uh, Moving to the WWE and teaming with Mr. Fuji, Sato captured the World Tag Team Championship from Tony Guerrilla and Rick Martel in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Sounds a few weeks in the summer of 82, the devious tandem uh, held the titles for more than one year. Following his stay in WWE, Sato took his talents to Japan, where he proved himself as a force in both the tag team and singles ranks. And in the field guide, it says, A classic Japanese star who was as stiff as they come, Sato had success in Japan and the US. His real fame came as part of the uh, New Japan group, where he was a major star in the 1980s, uh, along with Antonio Inoki and Tatsuji Fujinami. He -hmm. had tours of the WWF, where he was a two-time tag champion with Fuji, uh, and AWA, where he teamed with Ken Patera and Jesse Vittora. Later in 1990, he returned to the group (laughs) and won the world title from Larry Zbysko. Can anybody add any any other little wrinkles to the Mr. Sato story? Oh, well, uh, he, he, no. he had a, he had another tag team uh, uh, incident with Campitera too. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> he's the reason he's the reason Brock Lesnar wrestled in Japan because he's not doing well right now. That's right. That's right. And any uh, any any other Sato bits? He, he was like meant to be uh, Ricky Choshu's like mentor or something, wasn't he? In in New Japan, wasn't, wasn't that the? Wasn't he always billed as like 
Uh, you he, know. Was the, he was like the king of the territories, too. He was kind of like Ivan, yeah. where he went everywhere. Yeah, so. I, I mean, I'm cheating. I'm looking at his wrestling data profile because, you know, I, I read his bio when he was put into the uh, Observer Hall of Fame, and I remember it being great, but I can't remember a lot of details of it. So I had to check. Yeah, he actually teamed with Ivan in Florida and held the, the tag titles there. That must have been a Hell pretty a cool tag team. Yeah. 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 Imagine the heat they put on Martel and Guerrilla. Oh, yeah. Where, yeah. where did we uh we came across him on a show? Was it in the Georgia show that we came across? Yeah, yes. him? he was he was yeah. uh he was the MVP of the footage. Him and uh he, having yep. really good TV matches with Mr. He, Wrestling too yeah. and uh and uh, uh Steve Kern, right? Steve Kern. Mm-hmm. Yep, Steve Kern. That was a really good match from what I recall. Yeah. He he had a match against a a piece of wood on the AWA footage that uh, Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the rib, the rib they pulled on him. That's the yeah. thing. Ever. I saw Hogan's first good matches on AWA in the AWA. Was, yeah. What was really impressive about the Hogan match is that he worked as a complete stooging heel in that match, and yet yeah, we can see him in other contexts working as a complete ass you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Steiner brother almost. Yeah. Really and, that, yeah. and that match was Zabisco for the AWA title when it was pretty much dead. That's a great match. On yeah, it's, it's from to- Tokyo, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's an awesome yeah. match. I love that match. I always love the Jim Ross call when uh, him and uh, Muta, Russell Steiner, is on that Starcade where he refers to, uh, he calls Saito the uh, the Rick Steiner of Japan. I always thought that was cool for some reason. Mm. Because of all the yeah. nasty suplexes they throw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, good. And not not because he's supposed to be a simpleton man-child. So. Exactly. <laughs> With an imaginary best friend on his hand. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on to our next match from the same card. It is the magnificent Don Morocco versus Pedro Morales for the Intercontinental title. We've seen a few of these matches. We're going to see more. Uh, Pete, take it away. Terrible match. Um, (laughs) They sucked up the joint. Uh, I gave it a half a star. It was very slow and plodding uh, to start. And it was very slow and plotting to end. Um, they threw some punches. We got the great WWF trope of King of the Mountain. Hey, let's eat up some time. Uh, we got a great... Okay, I'm kidding. I mean, for Jesus. We got another lame-ass front face lock. Just a terrible <laughs> match. Terrible match. That's it? That's... Terrible. And they have one later on in the show, which I thought uh, we'll talk about, which just... It was like, I can't believe it was the same wrestlers wrestling. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Kelly, uh, take it. Yeah, well, I agree. I mean, although they, they did pick it up at the end. Like, it did turn into a brawl at the end. But, yeah, ma- the majority of this match, the vast majority of this match was sleep-inducing. Um, yeah, and this um, match had been on uh, one of the earlier discs, but we just saw the end of that. And I remember thinking, wow, this looked like a good match. Because we just saw the, the heated finish to it. Oh, that's right. We did do yeah. that. We did that's what that. happens when you only watch edited footage. You can get yeah, the Yeah, exactly. That was, yeah, totally the wrong Someone who watched a lot of Jack Briscoe uh, thought it's a contest. But, uh, yes, um, there was a lot of stalling before the bell even rang. It wasn't a good uh, start. And then, yeah, um, Morocco with the front face lock, which is 
pretty much the worst um, hold you can apply, I think. Uh, <laughs> would you ban I it, Kelly? I really I agree. <laughs> I think I would. Yeah. In in yeah, the caddy in the caddy run promotion, he'd ban the front face. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be it'd be on, it'd be on the front of a, one of the old after mags. <laughs> yeah. Kelly Nelson says the front face lock must be banned. Yes. I'm, I'm with Kelly. I think it's the most worthless move. I mean, it's just it's that's that's the epitome of a rest hold. A headlock you can work. An armbar yeah. you can work. I like a front face lock. What are you gonna do? You're on that's your stomach. Time. What's the yeah. what's that one the what's that one that Rick Rude does, which is almost like a camel clutch, but isn't quite. There's like the yeah, that version yeah. of the reverse chin lock. I don't like that one either. That's bad. But you can still do a little bit of stuff with it. You can get like a good camera shots of the guy's facials, and yeah. he can jump up and work the back a little. I'm not saying it's a great move, but it's a lot more less limiting than laying on your stomach. Two people laying on their stomach, one in a front face lock. Yeah, I agree. No, these two guys aren't meant to work this kind of match. It's obvious. We saw the one in Philly, the title change, which was very similar to this one, I think, with uh, front face locks and crap. And it was just this was just uninspired. Because um, as we'll see, what the, the match these two guys these guys are supposed to be wrestling is a brawl, is a is a death match, and we'll see that. And we get a preview, like a sneak preview of it in the in the closing minutes, where things get hot finally. And, uh, but yeah, God, this Morocco is just Mr. Snooze, um, of 1981. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Snooze. That's the greatest name ever. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, now, 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 in, in the encyclopedia, is there a Mr. Snooze? <laughs> <laughs> there is now. <laughs> uh, how dare you? Yeah. No. I mean, I like Morocco in a lot of ways, uh, but this 1981 Morocco is... His finisher is uh, the sleeper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's so meta that <laughs> people are going, I'm so bored by him. He's like, yeah, you're bored? The sleeper is my finish. <laughs> I'm going to put everyone to sleep. Fuck you. <laughs> it like his whole match was just working towards putting people to sleep, uh, the wrestlers and the and the crowd, um, both. Yeah, I, no. I, fell, I fell asleep watching it. And I had to fucking oh, rewind the damn thing. There you go. <laughs> put myself through again. Mr. So I can at least talk about it. Mr. Snooze strikes again. Sleeping he won. On... He won. He beat Pete. Yeah. <laughs> Sleeping on the beach. That's his. That's his plan. The beach bum. Yeah, he wants I, everybody to go to sleep on the beach. I literally woke up at 10 in the morning this morning, watched a, a couple of these matches, and then fell asleep for Morocco at like 11.15. <laughs> An hour of the being cure for the, the, the human cure for insomnia, Don Morocco. Parv, what's your take? Well, I mean, it's, it's such a shame in a way, because he has such good character. He has got yeah. charisma, you know? Yeah. So when this match started, I was like, "Awesome red turban and tunic outfit for the Grand Wizard tonight." He looked a mil- he looked as good as he's ever looked, I reckon. Um, like that was really plush. The material on that uh, tunic, you know, he looked yeah. as good as possible for a dying man. Yeah. Well, it, well, I mean, he's still got know, a couple of years left. Yeah, he still had a bit of flesh on his bones at this point, Johnny. I mean, he would look very uh, uh, thin in '83, as I saw the other night. Um, so that, anyway, that's the best wizard outfit that I've seen. Um, 
I loved uh, Morocco waving Pedro off at the start. He's so arrogant, you know. He's just saying, "Get away." Um, and the match went downhill from there. Bored me to tears for the main part <laughs> until things got heated in the finishing stretch, and then they brawled outside for a bit. I actually think fired up Pedro is awesome. And yeah, he is. I'm developing this little theory that he may be like the best worker of finishing stretches, <laughs> but like that's all he can do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like he saves it all for like a three-minute flurry. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Which can be considered smart working. Uh, let me just ask this before. Yeah, he on. could have been Robert. He could have been Robert Gibson and made oh, yeah. a, a buttload of money too. I think. I, well, he did. I think he did. Yeah, very well, money-wise in the seventies and the early eighties. One star, by the way, Pete. One star. Okay. Uh, let me ask you this: uh, How was the crowd reacting on the footage? They were dead, actually. It seemed like to me. Well, they dead. Okay. Yeah, but they were red hot at the end. But yeah, they yeah. were dead for most. But I mean, do you think there's any way that, um, like Vince Senior said, we'll go out there, work a technical match, bore them, so they get hot for the for the for the Texas Death Match or whatever they're going to give you soon? <laughs> no. Or no. they do, no way in hell they're going to be able to uh, eclipse Backlund Valentine in the uh, tag match. Both of these guys need a worker to carry them. That's the problem. Yeah. Uh, so as a result, you have a, a, or else they need to be working a brawl. Otherwise, it's crap. I don't understand why they kept on booking Morocco in long matches because yeah, he's so I, bad I at them. I don't get it either. <laughs> Maybe it was punishment for being lazy. It was like, you want to be lazy? Okay, you're going to work a Broadway tonight, Don. Um, okay, fine. I'll just lay around. Fuck I'll you. Just lie around. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm still getting paid. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work, unfortunately. All right, next up we have a promo with uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine and uh, the aforementioned Grand Wizard, uh, uh, Kelly. Well, Valentine basically looked like 1977 in this promo. <laughs> <laughs> the collar uh, was huge. It was a spoiler, spoiler-esque um, with the collar and the flowers. Oh, I- that that that's saying something because yes. that spoiler collar was something. I, I wrote in my notes here, Kelly, lovely seventies shirt. <laughs> Pure seventies um, chains, uh, gold, uh, but otherwise Valentine just oozes uh, heel charisma, and and uh, just he's such an asshole. And would, you, would you agree that he he's looking as sexy as he ever would? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> No, actually, that's a good point. This is probably as sexy as Greg Valentine it's, it's, can look and did did look in his life. Disco fever, Valentine. <laughs> right? Yeah, he, he was. After this, he was heading to Studio Fifty One to do lines <laughs> and bang Liza Minnelli uh, in the back. It's just occurred to me, you know, maybe Vince remembered this years later when he put him in Rhythm and Blues. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he thought, hmm. yeah. <laughs> You know what I was thinking, Greg? You know what I was thinking all those years ago? You were wearing that suit and the chains, and I said, I went, Roy Orbison, don't question me. I'm a fucking genius. Well, yeah, it's hyping, hyping the uh, the first uh, match with Backlund at MSG is why. He, he's, he's a solid promo, though, isn't he? He was he was oh. reminiscent of his father, I thought. Oh, no, I thought he was. A, I would call him a great promo, and yeah. as an, he reminded me of Harley Race in that sense. You know, no nonsense, to the point. I'm gonna kick your fucking teeth in. Well, I mean, he was just like Johnny Valentine 
I like because we saw those promos from Mid Atlantic, right? Yeah. Where Johnny he was like, "Well, I'm going to beat you up, basically." And, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I thought he was really good. Yep. Well, Valentine's, Valentine's under. Yeah, Kelly, exactly. Valentine's an underrated promo. Why? Yeah. Why, why did they never let him talk? I wonder. Well, back like, you know when it morphed into more of the mid '80s cartoony stuff. Yeah. They, they, they really relied on the managers as making them uh, stand out a yeah. little bit more and stuff. Well, then these these other managers like the Grand Wizard and those guys, they knew their place. They knew how to get themselves over, but they also knew when not to get themselves over and let their talents yeah. speak. And when he had a talent like that, and Wizard was really good at it. We saw him really with superstar Billy Graham. I mean, he was fantastic mm-hmm. uh, playing off of him. And it just, obviously they're totally different dynamics, but Wizard was so seasoned, he knew exactly uh, what to do. It's funny you say that, Pete, because I I just did that show with Chris Elner uh, on uh, Backland's opponents, mm-hmm. and uh, I said exactly that that because we were trying to like we, we we were trying to go through like well so many of Bob's challenges were paired with Wizard uh, as opposed to the other two, yeah. And um, I said, well, basically, Albano like will get the heat on himself most of the time because Albano was the draw as we've discussed, mm-hmm. whereas Wizard knew when to sit back. And basically put the heat on his guy. Yeah, and it, part of it was because Wizard was a manager, while the other two were former retired wrestlers who became you, managers. Absolutely, and I said that as yeah. well, Pete. Wow, I'm, yeah. glad, okay. I'm glad that we're so on the same page. You know, I, mean, me, I mean, yeah, everyone thinks Parv and I argue a lot, but we actually agree on 90% of the time about yeah. our wrestling. Yeah, that's totally right. So, next up, we have... The aforementioned Greg the Hammer Valentine against the champ Bob Backlund for the WWF title, Madison Square Garden, eleven fourteen. Uh, I've seen this match. It's been a long time. Uh, Pete, please take it away. Actually, it's ten nineteen. Is it ten nineteen? Uh, I'm sorry. Ten nineteen eighty one. It's all good. Um, mm-hmm. This is there. Uh, I love this match, and I I think it's one of the best matches we've seen in the WWF uh, up to this point, easily in the top three or four. I gave it four and a half stars. Um, this is the bout where the title was held up. The work in the bout was really stiff looking, nothing mm-hmm. outrageous, but everything looked good and snug and made sense. First off, the announcing really put over the figure four as death. Also, Backlund sold that figure four as a match ender. Uh, mm-hmm. Both guys laid it in on each other. Valentine went after the leg with some nice work. Valentine sprinkled uh, in some of his signature bumps to pop the crowd. There was a cool abdominal stretch reversal where first Valentine had Backlund and then Backlund reversed it. And while Valentine was trapped in, he's hitting Backlund's knee to escape. Cool piece of storytelling. On Valentine's first attempt at the figure four, Backlund immediately goes to his stomach. So Hammer basically has him in in an echo lock and just kicks him in the stomach. And again, that was awesome. The guys have these two series of forearm exchanges that are godlike in the intensity, and I lost my shit in the second batch of them. And I'm kind of <laughs> curious if what you guys thought when you guys talked about the match, if you guys uh, were blown away by the forearm exchanges like I was. Now, I don't want everyone to think it's all about Valentine because uh, Backlund was pretty great. He was working revenge spots on Valentine's legs. He brought the intensity to and thought his forearms looked even uh, more painful for the hammers, which uh, the whole spot was designed for. 
But if Backlund wasn't up for the challenge, the spot would have failed. Uh, Backlund's escaping of the figure four was great and really established the figure four as a match ender. Finally, Backlund's selling of his knee injury was great. He even collapsed at times because the knee couldn't handle the weight. Just freaking phenomenal stuff. Yeah, yeah. I I, I have memories of this uh, that are great, uh, but let's... Kelly, please, continue. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, this is a really good match. Uh, these two guys work uh, really good together. Um, Valentine is a great heel, and yeah, just working on the leg uh, immediately and, and throughout. Uh, great uh, focus to this match, focus to the story um, that a lot of Bob matches you know, may not have. Um, yeah, the abdominal stretch, you, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I realized watching this that I really, I love a good abdominal stretch. And this one was, you know, really hey. sunk in with the leg hooked. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, not too many people uh, can do the abdominal stretch anymore. It's, it's a lost art. Um, As yeah. Gorilla Monsoon would, would be uh, <laughs> happy to point out to everybody. Yes, exactly. Um, great slugfest, like Pete mentioned, between the two. Um, and then the headbutt where uh, Backlund nails Valentine in both mid fall to the canvas. I thought that was really cool. And, uh, yep, Valentine, like the story of the match, is Valentine keep, kept, keeps trying to apply the, the figure four. Bob keeps resisting. Um, and, like, you know, getting inside cradles on him for super close two counts from uh, figure four attempts. And um, then we get, you know, Backlund's uh, some pretty good moves. Uh, big time uh, delayed vertical suplex by Bob at one point. Um, the, the skull crushing pile driver, of course, a Bob uh, specialty at one point. There was another slugfest. And yeah, uh, how do we get to the finish here? Um, da -da 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 -da. The ref, oh yes, because this is a pretty famous match for the finish. Um, you see, both men are wearing black tights. Uh, which, you know, when I saw it this time, I, I, after seeing all the Backlund matches over the months, you know, I sort of realized, well, Bob doesn't actually wear black tights that often. He usually wears green or blue, uh, sometimes red, too. So, <laughs> you know, they kind of, you know, had to, like, um, it, it was kind of contrived the finish to have both guys wearing the same color tights. But I guess they could have picked another color, but whatever. Um, so the ref gets dazed off uh, an airplane spin that uh, hits the ref. And um, Bob eventually shakes Valentine down and collapses on him. And the ref counts three, but he's groggy. And he raises uh, Valentine's hand uh, by mistake um, after the pin and gives Valentine the belt even. And suddenly we have mass confusion. Valentine, like, seizes the moment and takes off uh, with the title. And we have multiple referees coming in to try and explain the situation to the groggy ref. And eventually Finkel announces that the title has been held up until, you know, further review or whatever uh, at the end. And this was actually an angle that only played out in New York. Uh, yep. in the in that market it didn't it wasn't a promotion wide territory wide angle and um 
it was never uh, considered a uh, like the title being held up was never part of the records of the official records of the WWF. Um, uh, I don't even know if to this day, maybe it is now because um, they added the I know they added the Inoki title switch in 79 years later. Does that but, make Backlund a three-time champ? Yeah, technically it does. Actually, a four-time because he wins four it time. in uh, 94 um, off Brett. Uh, oh, oh, no, sorry. I was counting Inoki in that one and not this one. Five-time. Like no, like <laughs> no, no, like in the official record books. He must be a three-time champ, right? Yeah, well, yeah, three or four. But yeah. Um, so, anyways, the finish, you know, it, it, it it's... I don't know what I think about the finish. Like, as far as building up a rematch, it was a great finish. Um, it was a unique sort of way to uh, build to the next match. As far as ending the match, it kind of, uh, it was kind of an uh, anticlimactic finish to the match. But um, otherwise, it was a really great match um, between the two of them. And yeah, yeah. See this match, please. Yeah, I, I remember loving this finish because I was like, wow, that's crazy. But, uh, but Par, we all know how much you adore and worship Bob Backlund. <laughs> uh, so please, please, go ahead. Um, well, the, the first thing I'll mention, just on that finish, I love um, whenever Howard Finkel has to announce anything, like, really official. I love yeah. just, like, I love the absurdity of the kind of the world of wrestling in that moment, you know, pending investigation by the state athletic commission and the, yeah, of, yeah. and the office of the wwf president it is just all of that stuff is awesome um anyway yeah really good match very solid psychology throughout uh valentine like centered his offense around the leg and for the figure four uh i mean pete, pete did a very good job of exp explaining everything i thought the finish was very interesting with the confusion over the belt um one thing nobody mentioned is Vince just screaming, Backland is hot! Backland is hot! Which I thought was quite fun. <laughs> uh, somebody could, like, isolate that, maybe. Yeah. And uh, yeah. use, it, use it in a different context. But, <laughs> no, I, I thought it was really good. Uh, four and a half stars I've gone with this one. Um, mm. Those forearm exchanges are really good. Mm -hmm. uh, like, uh, Valentine's forearms. Terrific. Um, I was also thinking about the abdominal stretch, Kelly. Mm -hmm. I was wondering, like, why did it die off? And the person who came into my head was Mike Rotunda. <laughs> yeah. Of course. I, I thought it was a banned move because they can consider it as a, a time killer. Uh, a, lot there, of it, a lot of it is because to do it correctly, when you do it correctly, it actually it actually hurts. Uh, if you've ever had someone put it on you correctly, it, right. it fucking hurts. Well, well thank God you, they're, they're working it. Yeah, but I mean, it hurts, hurts. And then if you uh, do it fake, it looks fake. So just get rid of it. Well, I mean, the the one guy who did go to the abdominal stretch a lot and did like it properly was uh, Jumbo Saruta. If you ever watch a Jumbo match, he mm -hmm. he really hooks those legs in properly. Mm -hmm. um, Mike Rotunda does a poor one, and about half of his matches consist of it. So I'm yeah. wondering if he was the reason, like in the mid, like especially in that WCW run. Uh, towards the end, you know, when he was part of the NWO and all that. So, uh, he's really the last guy I can think, like, I mean, I don't know, I haven't watched wrestling for a long time, but uh, people just I, don't I, do I, it, right? Actually, on NXT's TV, uh, a guy did an abdominal stretch 
complete with a, a claw to the side. Obviously. <laughs> uh, just this week, and it wasn't good. Did they, did they know how to call it? Did the commentators like say, "Oh, what a maneuver"? Or did they did they actually know the name of the move? I believe they called it. I don't know. I was laughing too much because the guy doing it, his character is so ridiculous that I was just laughing <laughs> yeah. the entire time. It was one of those moves that in the '90s it became like an old-fashioned move all of a sudden. Yeah. yeah. And when you saw it, you thought, "Oh, this is the slow, old, boring days of wrestling." You know. And I think a lot of it was people weren't getting reactions anymore from it because it yeah. was just game of steel. Well, I mean, I remember Money Inc. did the weird, like, abdominal stretch where they would change. They would change between DBRC and IRS, like, doing the, doing the move. I mean, heel uh, I mean, that was a heel tag team trope for years. But, I mean, like, not for, it, I mean. Yeah, but for, for me, it never made sense for because DBRC and IRS so clearly weren't the same they were wearing different one of them was wearing a shirt and a tie so it's like the referee would literally need to be blind to not notice you know well, anyway <laughs> well you know you'll have that they were both All right. rich, wealthy men that was yeah, bob uh, uh, parv is sticking to sticking to uh rotunda killing the uh, the abdominal strike <laughs> you know, irs is one of my favorite wrestlers ever but you know, he did kill the, the abdominal stretch. Did, did, did I ever tell you that I had the I had a big briefcase that I used to take to work and uh, to work to school? Yes, and um, yeah. and <laughs> I did it. I did the. I I used to whack people with it with with the briefcase. Oh, I, I thought I you were going to say you gave people the abdominal stretch. Yeah, I, that's, <laughs> no, I, yeah, no. I, I with Kelly. I thought you were going to say you gave people the abdominal stretch and you didn't know how to do it right. That would be good. That would be good. This stinks. <laughs> Yeah, you didn't hook, yeah, somewhere in your mind, Gorilla Monsoon was like, you know, if Bob doesn't hook the leg, you know, uh, this is never going to be any good. It's never going to work. All right, we've got more coming up on this episode of the Titans of Wrestling, but right now it's time for a word from our sponsors. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. What's up, everybody? This is Kevin Kelly. Make sure you check out every episode of the Kevin Kelly Show. Right here on the Place to Be Nation. Place to be nation.com, The Kevin Kelly Show. Every episode is a winner. At least we hope. Place to Be Nation's Justin Rosero here. In addition to The Kevin Kelly Show, we have a ton of great podcasts available to you on iTunes and Place to be nation.com. You can check out myself and Scott Criscolo on The Mothership, The Place to Be Podcast, home of great interviews and our famous Vintage Vault pay per view reviews. If you need your fix of current wrestling talk, we have plenty of options for you there, including main events, which features a roundtable discussion led by PTBN analysts and special guests, our monthly pay-per-view reaction show, including immediate feedback and discussion for WWE, NXT, Ring of Honor, and New Japan Super Shows, and Wrestling with Optimism, which focuses on the positives of the business. Also, be sure to relive wrestling's past with Graham Cawthon's excellent exclusive History of Wrestling podcast, Dylan Hale's and Dave Musgrave's Wrestling Culture podcast, our monthly pay-per-view rewind roundtable series led by Ben Morse, and the Dangerous Alliance podcast starring myself and Pro Wrestling Only's Will, diving into various subjects in the form of exercises and games. Sports fans have plenty to dive into as well. We feature The Extra Point with Scott Criscolo and Dr. G, The Kings of Sport featuring live audio wrestling's godfather Nate Milton, The Sports Lounge hosted by Cowboy and Cowboy Senior, as well as the NBA Team podcast, which takes year-round deep dive into pro hoops. 
P2BN also proudly features Richard in the Mailman podcast, which specializes in the world of TV, thought leadership, anger, and irreverence. As mentioned, all of these shows are available on PlacementNation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. PTBN is also home to the tremendous in-depth features on pro wrestling, sports, movies, comics, plus tournaments, and more. We also want to thank our friends at Bonehead's Wing Bar in West Warwick, Rhode Island, and Fall River, Massachusetts, Scott Keats, RSPWFAQ.com blog, and Piledriver.net. Do you watch pro wrestling? Do you love pro wrestling? We do too. And there's only one podcast feed that you can't miss. PWO, PTBN, Podcast Network. That's the pro wrestling only place to be nation podcast network. We have a host of brilliant shows dedicated to wrestling past and present. Whether it's the territories, Japan, Lucha, old school or new school, we've got something for you. Get a dose of history on Exile on Bad Street with Chris Zellner. Listen to reviews of current pay-per-views on the PTBN reaction shows. Not just WWE, but New Japan, Ring of Honor, and NXT. And get your weekly update on everything else that's going on in the indies, Lucha, and beyond on This Week in Wrestling. Relive WCW Supercards on Where the Big Boys Play with Parv and Chad. Join Dylan Hales and Dave Musgrave on one of the very best shows for super hardcore nerds wrestling culture. Go deep into WWF history and discover the Bob Backlund and Bruno Sammartino eras on Titans of Wrestling. Don't miss the Pro Wrestling Super Show with Stephen Graham and Tim Livingston. You can get the full archive of Goodwill Wrestling with good old Will from Texas. There's tag teams back again with Kelly and Marty Sleeves. Then there's the only pro wrestling game show, Brain Buster, with me, Johnny Sorrow, and a panel of great guests every time. Get them all on one feed. P-W-O-P-T-B-N. Podcast Network. You know you want to hear it. Hey, welcome back to the Titans of Wrestling, number 51. And uh, we're continuing to talk about the WWF 1981 footage that everyone's watched except me. (laughs) But uh, here's something that I remember seeing, but I couldn't give you the details. So to give you the details on Andre the Giant versus Killer Khan. Killer Khan, someone whose uh, stock has risen over the years (laughs) amongst a lot of us. But in a stretcher match from the Philadelphia Spectrum, eleven twenty-three, Pete. Yeah, it's a hard match to really explain because there's a big clip in the middle, so you don't yeah. know how much is lost, um, and so you lose a lot of the story. Uh, I, mean, I mean, pretty much we get a battle to start, and Andre gets his ankle caught in the rope, and uh, Khan just destroys the ankle, and Andre sells it big. And then we see a little bit of Andre kicking the crap out of Khan, then we get a clip. And then we get, you know, then we get more of the finish. So, I mean, I, I don't really feel safe, uh, you know, ranking this or giving it a star rating or whatever. It, I just don't think the stretcher match works, especially with a guy that big. Yeah. Uh, and Andre, I mean, that, that stretcher, I mean, barely would if you cut his leg off. I don't know if he'd be able to carry <laughs> his leg out. It, it just, you know, it is what it is. Now, is this the match that was Andre's revenge or is this the one that sends him out? Revenge. Okay. Okay, then this is the one I have seen. Uh, Kelly, what do you have to add? Uh, well, yeah, because um, the the match where Andre actually had his ankle broken never happened, right? 
Um, the right, story he was, is, at, he was getting out of bed. Yeah, he woke up one morning and took a step out of bed and broke his ankle somehow. And they had to retcon the whole thing that um, Khan broke it in a match in Rochester. Although Vince on commentary in this match said it happened at the Boston Garden, but that's not true. Um, so they did have a match in Rochester on April 13th. And actually, that was the only time they wrestled before the ankle injury. So I guess that was why they chose that match. But it wasn't planned. There was no angle. Um, but Andre broke his ankle, and suddenly they had to do something. And so I guess they decided, well, let's say he, you know, say Con broke his ankle in Rochester or whatever. No one outside of Rochester will be able to, uh, to disprove that back in the day before internet or, or cable TV being widespread or anything, right? So they ran with it, and actually this is one of the more uh, well-known uh, or fondly remembered angles of the era, was Andre having his ankle broken by Khan. It was referenced in the wrestling mags for years. By the time yeah. I became a wrestling fan, it was uh, one of the ones that they always uh, brought back and talked about over the years. And showing pictures of Andre on crutches, and you know, it was amazing. Like the giant was, you know, uh, actually hurt for the first time, so it was, it was a big deal. But as an actual feud, you know, what we don't have are the matches they had at Madison Square Garden because, uh, unfortunately, I think they had two matches there, and both were on untelevised ca uh, cards. Uh -huh. So we have neither of those. Uh, so who knows what the quality of those matches are or were? Um, here we have a clipped version of a match from Philly. Um, and not only clipped, but also dubbed with Vince commentary over our beloved Dick and Cal. Time traveling Vince. Yeah, again. Strikes again. He's all over uh, 1981. For some why, reason. Why had... did he do that? Because he just uh, couldn't stand the idea of Dick and Cal being on the Coliseum videos. Yeah, uh, exactly. yeah, they were. That's true. If uh, if you go back and watch the old Coliseum videos, every Philly match has someone dubbed uh, over the commentary. Be it Vince, be it Lord Al, be it Jesse Ventura. Um, because as as much as we love uh, Dick and Cal and wish everyone could see it, you really think Vince, once he had control and was putting out tapes, was going to be like, I am not putting this out for the general public. Well, I mean, consider, <laughs> considering 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 how little he cared about the, the, what went out on the other Coliseum videos, it's a level of detail that surprises me. Like, well, it's because <laughs> with those, at least, he was in control. Right. Whether or not he cared whether or not Lord Al stunk or or, or the Duke of Dorchester stunk or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but you have Dick and Cal. Dick and Cal were in another universe. <laughs> And references that maybe he yeah. have talked about, you know, like, I don't want to hear about fucking Pat Benatar, you know, this, <laughs> it's, or like, you know. or like Cal saying, uh, yeah, I was having dinner with Killer Khan last night. He's yeah, a yeah, nice yeah. guy. <laughs> a good guy. Hey, hey, you know, Dick, uh, me and Killer Khan, uh, we went out to a Mongolian restaurant last <laughs> night. And I'll tell you, yeah, he may be brutal in the ring, but boy, he knows how to order a great meal. You know, no, no. I want to track down this original match now. No, I, I was just thinking, like... Uh, we well, I've should... watched the original match, and it's actually a good match. Uh, huh? uh, but, it's, it, but it gets hurt by the, uh, the stretcher step. As if, yeah. they didn't have the, if they didn't have the stretcher step, it would actually be a really entertaining match. Yeah, well, I was going to say, the stretcher step is a good way to draw a crowd, right? Because it, it sounds like a cool match on paper. 
but it's it's not a good match uh, in execution or for entertainment value usually um and with andre yeah it, it looked ridiculous i'm trying to put andre on a little well it made it look like the stretcher was like for a midget basically and <laughs> well you know in mongolia how many stretchers did they need <laughs> don't forget this was a mongolian stretcher match yes <laughs> mongolian okay. stretchers are notoriously tiny yes <laughs> That was the flaw in Khan's plan. Oh, you got me this time, giant Frenchman. (laughs) (laughs) All right. right. Uh, Parv, anything else? Well, I thought the stuff that we got in these clips was awesome. Like Andre kicking the crap out of Khan like a true monster. I loved it. Um, But like Pete said, it was difficult to rate, you know, because... Big clip. Yeah. I mean, from, from what we saw... If I rated what we actually saw, I'd be like as high as four stars because I thought it was awesome. But who knows? Like what was clipped out could just be them sitting in an arm bar or something. I don't know. So, uh, was it them sitting in an arm bar, Pete? Pete, he's not there. No, okay. I'm, here, I'm here. I'm here. I had my thing on mute. Right. Uh, no, no, that it wasn't just sitting in an arm bar. If you want to see Andre and Armbar's uh, Harley Race versus Andre, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed uh, Andre versus Race too. Awesome match. Anyway, that, yeah, that was it. All right. Well, next up, because I, I, I know you guys are just so uh, chomping at the bit uh, for another Don Morocco versus Pedro Morales match for the Intercontinental Title. Now you said this was better than. Uh, uh, what previously uh, was shown on uh, uh, this show that we're talking about. So, Pete, take it away. Yeah, it's much better. Uh, I gave it two and three, four stars. Um, Morocco is really working a lot more aggressive, and he's targeting the neck. And when you see him, and then we see Morocco bust out a really uh, nasty drop kick that Morales bumps huge the outside and into the guardrail. Uh Later on, you see Morocco is busted open, and Morales works the cut. We get a low blow by Morocco, uh, a headbutt to the jewels by Morocco, and this was just really uh, uh, a fun little bout. And then we got another kind of uh, a weak finish that I don't remember what it was, but I remember writing weak finish. But it uh, it was it was a good match, good heated, aggressive. Uh, uh, Morocco really. Really, I felt he uh, redeemed himself in this match. All right, uh, Kelly, uh, what do you have to add? Yeah, I mean, this was another one. This was on the um, the history of the Intercontinental Title uh, Coliseum Ooh, video. Okay, yeah, which was just like the tag team history, where it was the they just showed you like the last few minutes of each match. So this was another one I had never seen in full before, and I remember watching that tape and thinking, "Oh yeah, this was really cool." It's a Texas death match. There was blood. There's uh, brass knuckles involved and stuff. Uh, so yeah, we have a like, super heated atmosphere for this one uh, in the garden. Uh, Morocco comes to the ring. He's already got a bandage on his forehead, um, presumably from maybe uh, uh, the same two guys doing a Texas death match in another town or something. Um, and he's also got a beard uh, for the first time here. Um, lazy. He's lazy. Shave nothing. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Couldn't be bothered. And yeah, this is a brawl right from the get-go. Pretty much 
picked up where the previous match at the Garden between these two left off. Uh, no front face locks or bullshit in this match. Um, you know, this was uh, easily the best match of uh, Morales and Morocco that we've seen easily. And, um, yeah, Morocco seemed a bit more motivated, too. He was uh, doing some good moves, some uh, good drop. You know, he gives uh, Pedro a great drop kick, and Pedro takes some nice bumps uh, over the top rope, uh, a couple of them, actually. And, uh, yeah, spills to the outside. Pedro makes a huge uh, fiery comeback to uh, to uh, great heat. And, um, yeah, and then Morocco actually has a pretty good crimson mask in this one. And, yeah, he's he's bumping his ass off. I mean, where is this Morocco been uh, so far? This isn't Mr. Snooze Morocco. This is this is uh, this is uh, not bad, uh, Don. He Morocco. saves it. He saves it. He doesn't. He doesn't. You know, dole it all out all the time. Yeah. He saves it. He saves it for the very end of the feud. Um, and so the finish is Morocco pulls out the brass knuckles, uh, but Pedro um, gets a hold of them. Oh no, he. Uh, He's uh, Pedro's getting thrown into the ropes with the Morocco planning to hit him with the brass knucks, but Pedro reverses him and gives him like a flying headbutt to the stomach, and gets the the knucks and then hits Morocco with him. And because it's a Texas Death Match, that's legal, and he gets the three count from there. We have a new uh, Intercontinental Champion, the second yeah. time, Pedro Morales. Uh, yeah, this was a really good match. It played to the strengths, like I said before. These guys, this is the kind of match they should be wrestling in. It's just a brawl with not having to try and work the mat or do any of that shit and kill time or whatever the hell they were doing in previous matches. This was cool. And, yeah, I, I, I'm glad I got to see the whole thing in full. And, uh, yeah, it was good. I remember on that tape, that that finishing bit just was yeah. amazing. So, uh, so Parv. One one thing that nobody mentioned is that Morocco hasn't shaved, so he comes out looking like a kind of prototype Razor Ramon here. Well, yeah. actually, actually, they did just mention that he had a beard. So <laughs> nice to know you listen to the show, Barb. Oh, but he did. I didn't mention that he looked like a prototype Razor Ramon. So. Yeah, he didn't oh. steal bar. Uh, he didn't step on Parv's punchline. <laughs> well, he did. He was like properly greased up as well. So. Um, yeah. I, for, considering this was only 13 minutes it felt like it went quite a long time to me um, maybe I just get instantly bored by the idea of these two uh, which it doesn't bode well really considering how long they spend for facing each other um, now would you say that these two had any decent chemistry between them considering they were kind of married off and on uh, for so long Kelly, Pete uh, I thought they had uh, bad chemistry as in they uh they dragged each other down. Yeah, I think, I, I, th- I, think, I think Morales can be lazy uh, with the best of them, and we yeah. sure in hell know Don can be lazy. With the it's best just of it's them. just a poor pairing, really. Um, yeah, so it's like putting your two like slow or two like laziest people together, and what are you going to get? You're going to get a lazy result. You're not going to get a first place finish. And, and and that's a good point. But from a personality standpoint, they are so great as uh, enemies. Yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah, I would... so it, it's a, there's a mixture of the two. Yeah, in the ring, of, of course, I agree with exactly what you said. But personality wise, you you can't get a better dynamic, and yeah. uh, that's what they were going for. I I'll agree that the finish was hot. You know, the finished super worker Pedro uh, comes out again. Um, <laughs> it, it it did have some co- it had some cool moments. I I really like um, I like Pedro's flying pig attack. 
to the midsection. Yeah, yeah. He was like uh, E Honda at Street Fighter Two. Do you remember <laughs> yes, that? Yes, it's <laughs> great. There's a name for it, the move, but I can't think of it. What is it called? The, the flying, flying pig. Head. Well, there's just some other name. Flying headbutt, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, it's kind no, of... it has like a specific name. Whatever. Because Pedro is already pretty porky here in 81. Um, three three stars I went with. Pete, so not far off you. Uh, yeah. It was, it, it was a lot better than the other match. Um, though, three stars, yeah. Okay, as we move on from par fat shaming Pedro Morales, let's get to <laughs> Bob Backlund versus Greg the Hammer Valentine for the WWF title. The follow up to the amazing match and I, I think amazing angle that ended that match. So, Pete, please take it away. Another uh, really good match, and they were going for the uh, the uh, no holds barred match also, mm-hmm. and. Um, that stiff kind of hurt this match because they work in more like a straight match. I mean, they do have a couple violent spots, especially early in the match. Like, we see uh, Backlund attacks Valentine before the match starts and hits him with the belt. And, and you know, so it, it sets the tone, but it doesn't follow execute all the way through. So that's just a, a flaw of mine uh, that I felt in the match. But, you know, Backlund's a world of fire to start, and Valentine takes a double knee bump into the corner. Bob's on top, and he works the leg. He does this for about, oh, say, five minutes. And, and Valentine bo- uh, counters Bob's figure four and goes after Bob's leg. Greg does a body dive onto Bob's leg, which is a spot I, I mark for. Uh, and I wish more people would do it because I think it's awesome uh, putting all your weight on someone's leg. It makes perfect sense to, to weaken it. Uh, Bob Backlund uh, cuts him off pretty quick, and he attacks the leg. Valentine will have none of this and posts Bob's leg twice. He then ties Bob's leg in the ropes and cranks it. In a great hope spot, Bob gets two off a small package. Bob attempts to slam, but his weight gives out. Real good, you know, again, all this great storytelling. Valentine with a figure four. And all of Bob's muscles are, like, bulging in his attempt to turn it. And just added uh, a lot of, just, just added a great, um, uh, a, like, a picture or a stamp. Uh, just really good. And then uh, Bob with just sweet-looking German suplex for the win in a heck of a match. Um, you know, the German with the leg being worked over, maybe uh, that might should not have been the finish. I, I enjoyed the match as a, as an own, but as in the no holds barred frame, it, it, it was lacking. I, I gave it three and a half stars because it was still a good match. All right, Kelly, what's your take? I, I absolutely love this match. Um, I liked it better than the previous encounter. Um, before we started Titans, this was my all-time favorite backland match that i'd seen and watching it again i mean it's 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 up there it's got to be um maybe not number one but top uh two or three of of all the backland matches we've seen um i really like it um you know as far as the no holds barred stip goes i think the um thing is that this wasn't a blood feud this the reason for the you know, holds barred step kayfabe wise was they needed a decisive winner, right? Because the title was held up. Um, you couldn't have countouts or DQs or anything like that. This had to be settled. You know, it had to be resolved. Someone had to come out as the champion. So I don't think the no holds barred step was there because this was a blood feud that needed that sort of stipulation, like with um, uh, Pedro and, and uh, Don that had got to that point in the previous match. So that, that, I think, explains the lack of 
you know, blood, the lack of like maybe more violence. But this was a this was a pretty hard fought match, and it basically it was the story of you know the race to see who could put on the figure four first, and I, I really liked that. Um, both you know tried again and again, uh, breaking it up. It was just you know a really good war between these guys. And then when Valentine uh, first got or finally got the figure four on, it was just a great sequence of reversal. You know. You know, Bob. No, actually, the first time he got up, Bob like punched his way out of it, and then Valentine reapplied it, and then Backlund reversed it, and the crowd just popped huge. And then Valentine reversed it back again, which is cool, and then Backlund once again reversed it, and you know, it was just back and forth. I was really marking out at this point. Uh, both guys were selling, you know, the leg at this point, and uh, yeah, Valentine took a big swing with a right and missed, and Bob. Uh, grabbed him in the German suplex and it was a sweet German suplex uh, add that to Bob's uh, repertoire of moves that look really good when he does them um, he throws a great German suplex huge pop um, I should mention uh, the match started uh, with uh, Bob storming the ring, uh, Valentine's wearing the belt like and strutting around <laughs> like a total dick uh, with the belt that he didn't earn and we get, of course, famous uh, uh, pissed off Bob storming the ring and attacking Valentine before the bell. And he even slings uh, Valentine into the ropes while he's still got the belt around his waist and then clobbers him. So you had that hot start, like really hot. And then after the match, when Bob gets the belt back, the crowd is just going crazy. And Bob hoists the belt up four times at least. And each time he hoists it up, the crowd roars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he hoists the belt up, yeah, and he has the crowd, awesome. yeah, and it was great. It was like, yeah, he got you know the the belt back from the bad guy. It was just, it was great. The crowd just loved it, and yeah, this is still for me one of Backlund's best matches. It's actually one of my favorite Valentine matches too. Um, I really, really like this one. All right, uh, so before I go to Parv, let me ask all three of you. Uh, with everything we've watched, where would you rank uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine uh, as uh, if we were going to rank all of Bob's opponents that we've seen? Is, 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 who's the best? Who has the best matches with him? Where would you put Valentine? He's in my top three for sure with Slaughter, yeah. Valentine, and Patterson. Kelly, what do you think? Patera, Pete? Oh, and Patera. And Patera's in there too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely, yeah, top three, and I would say the same, uh, basically, yeah, Valentine Slaughter and Patera or Patterson, I guess, would be the number three guy. Yeah, Slaughter and Valentine top two for me, for sure. Okay, Parv, what are yours, and then please let me know, uh, what you th- let us know what you think of this match. Um, well, you see, I didn't like the 1979 match, the, the, the hour long, which, uh, is a kind of... Black Mark against Greg in my book, um, but I would I would agree that he's definitely top three. Um, as a as a backland opponent, as opposed to um, in worker in general. So if I was to say best workers that we've seen in general, right, Patterson Slaughter for me would be the top two. But in terms of best backland opponent, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Best backland opponent. I think Greg. 
with these two matches that we've seen tonight is probably the best that we've seen. And they have a really good match. Sorry, they have a really good match against each other in 1984, uh, Valentine Mm. and Backlund, after Backlund's lost belt at MSG. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. uh, We'll never get to it, uh, Titans-wise, probably, but watch it. I I say that because, I mean, what did I give that uh, previous match? Four and a half? I mean, I'll I'll just say I'm with Kelly on this uh, particular debate between because Pete, Pete didn't like the match as much as uh, Kelly did I'm much closer to Kelly I think it's one of the best matches that we've seen period uh, four and three quarters for me wow. I just saw it was tremendous um, great psychology great match to be honest though I didn't know there was a step <laughs> um, I like if, if they mentioned it I didn't hear them or I wasn't paying attention um, because that didn't factor into my rating at all I just saw it as a straight up match and as a straight up match you know they worked the whole thing around the figure four it was cool storytelling with Bob trying to nail the figure four that you know the moment where uh, Valentine first gets the figure four on Kelly that you were describing hmm. um, like Bob's selling of that and his kind of like fierce determination to get out of it and his struggle yeah. and all that it actually mm-hmm. reminded me of John Cena who I've been wo- uh, watching quite a bit recently you know those mm. moments where Cena does that kind of psycho face where he's trying to yeah, yeah. power out and you know what's that uh, submission all he does the STFU the STFU yeah the that they dropped the U they dropped the U oh that's right yeah yeah, that was about like I don't know, ten years ago. So the STFPG. Well, you know. Anyway, the faces that Cena pulls doing that that were reminiscent of what Backlund was doing here. I thought, which is good. You know, I think that's one of the best parts of Cena's performance. So, yeah, and then that ovation that you were describing, Kelly, with the crowd. You know, cheer. I actually think that may be the peak moment, not yeah. just of not just of Backlund's run, but yeah. of his life. It's probably like yeah. a, a, above like his wedding and like the, <laughs> like, the wow. of, like the birth of his children or whatever. Like probably that probably that moment is like the peak moment of his entire life <laughs> because yeah. it literally twenty thousand people in unison, you know, yeah. with him, he completely yeah. owned and commanded that room. And uh, I want to say probably it can only go down from there for Backland. Yeah, I I, I think so. I think it. How can it go up? It can't. There's only one direction (laughs) from this moment for him. So yeah, it's the high water mark for Bob. Uh, And uh, I I thought, I mean, if you agree with me and Kelly that it's a four and three quarters star match or you know thereabouts, I think it's fitting that the other four and three quarter match of his that we saw against Patera, which was also a Texas death match, had the standing ovation and this had this amazing kind of yeah. crowd moment with him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for his two best matches, you know, so yeah. it, shows you, it shows you that he did have that connection that the crowd was that a lot of people like to say he didn't, but that's well, you know, I mean, that's I did a very long show with uh, with Zellner recently uh, which, is, which will probably be up be- well, it's already up, so uh, and, and, and it's the second plug of it too today. Yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah, the same well, show. 
That was a good plug. That's, no, no, no. It's just, Johnny it's, Sorrow plugging it's, away. It's, it's just Thank because, you. Man. It's just because we're talking about Backland, I guess. Uh, so there's quite a lot of crossover between that show. No, no, I, I can appreciate a slick plug, man. That, that's um, <laughs> but uh, the, um, the the thing I mentioned on there is that Bob was basically over in MSG. He was over in New York a lot, I think. Yeah. And it's in some of the other markets where he seemed to struggle to get over to me. Uh, Philly, uh, he was over. He was over in Philly, but um, from what we've seen, he was consistently over at MSG. And I even like went forward a little bit to see what the crowds were like. It was He was still pretty hot in 82, but it, it definitely by 83, the crowds start to kind of turn a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that. But uh, I, I, real quick, before we go to the next thing, uh, Parv, I wanted to agree with you about uh, I feel the value. Because I've seen these. I didn't see them for the show, but I've seen these or the clips. I think Valentine is his number one opponent as well. And that's because, to me, it seems more like two equal guys. Mm-hmm. Near the same size. Yeah. Uh, both really skilled one is evil and one is good, and they're like yeah. the, the exact opposite of each other. Well, when and they were that's both why the, he's my favorite. When they were both wearing the black Johnny, there were times during yeah. the match where I was like, "Well, who is who here?" Yeah, so. and that was what that was what they meant to you to think too. So well, if you really thought who was who, then you don't look at their heads. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I. I I saw their trunks, and that's all I knew. You know, one guy he's got red hair; the other guy looks like a pig. You know, but <laughs> coming up next, we have the late, the great, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes versus Titans' favorite King Kong Mosca. Pete, <laughs> please take us away. I actually liked the match, and they worked it perfectly. They kept it in the six-minute range. So we got, you know, we got Dusty being Dusty with his charisma. Uh, and I'll be honest, if I thought the match sucked, I was going to say I don't want to comment on it because of uh, what happened with Dusty recently passing away. Uh, You'd be a lot. No, no, no. You think Dusty would really care? You know, like, <laughs> no, like, I don't, you I don't know? think Dusty would care. I would care. That's what uh, matters. Uh, uh, it would bother uh, me bearing slang as someone who just died recently, uh, who's, who was one of my but favorites. But he's against Mosca, so Dusty would. It's Mosca. You know, yeah. you go, what do you oh, do baby, Hey, Pete, hey, Pete, baby, I, I did my best. I did my best trying to drag a good match out of that Mosca character, and he just was terrible, baby. But nonetheless, I thought he did as well as he possibly could. You know, it was a nice little brawl. Uh, Dusty being Dusty with his charisma, carrying it. And I thought Mosca had really – he has a face for wrestling. So uh, uh, he actually did some stuff that made it interesting with his facials on, like, with Dusty <laughs> for an arm bar, uh, and a wrist lock. And, you know, they did some basic stuff. And, and Dusty's charisma carried it to a solid match. All right, Kelly. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was okay for a Mosca match, I guess. No, yeah, like Pete said, Dusty's, of course, super over. Yeah, I might have judged it on a Mosca slippery slope uh, scale, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think I think in these sort of cases, we need to judge it on the Dusty slope and not the Mosca slope. <laughs> <laughs> How awesome was Dusty with this guy who stinks? Yes. Let's go with that. That's basically it. I mean, yeah, Dusty, of course, just him being in the ring puts a smile on your face. And, and Mosca, that, I guess that uh, counters Mosca's, uh, who puts like a, a scowl on your face because he's stuck. He's just, I mean, he looks like a great heel. Like he, he's got to be a heel. 
There's no other way. Uh, just with that look, um, you know, easily hateable. Um, he's an asshole. We've seen him in the squash matches on TV and the, the shit he does and the, the angle with Patterson and stuff. So like he can get heat and, but in the ring, he's just, he's pretty bad. Um, the finish was a typical sort of screwy finish of the time with the, you know, dusty, you know, getting the, into the ring to beat the count of 10 when they're both brawling on the apron and uh, of course he gets in just at the last second and Mosca's still out and it's, it's rarely timed properly to look good I think that finish um, and this one didn't look particularly good so yeah I didn't really think it was anything other than okay Marv uh, my notes consist of eight words <laughs> D- Dusty did his best to keep it entertaining there you go <laughs> that's about it, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. That, 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 that's a very short uh, version of what I said to open this bit. So that's, <laughs> yeah, he, I haven't seen it. I'm going to watch it because it's dusty. But uh, I, that sounds exactly like what I expected. He does a lot of, po- he does a lot of pointing to his hiney in this particular <laughs> Yes. Well, you know, if I had an ass like Dusty Rhodes, I'd be pointing at it all day. It's <laughs> so big. Uh, next up, we have Adrian Adonis versus Jeff Craney from uh, WWF TV. Uh, now, when's the last time we saw Adonis uh, on this footage, uh, Kelly? Or have uh, we? We haven't. This is his debut. Oh, okay, Kelly. So, Pete, uh, uh, anything with this match? Yeah, it says a squash. I'm looking forward to his matches with Bob because I know they're good. Uh, yeah. So. And then maybe we'll get into his tag work with Murdoch. All right. Now, Kelly, is there anything you can tell us about Jeff Craney? Uh, I already did a couple episodes ago. <laughs> oh, really? I, is yeah. that forgettable? He, who did he wrestle on the last show? Uh, I don't remember, but I did do a mini brief bio on him. And if it means well, anything, I, I, John, I, I, Parv would have messed that, that up as host also. So. Okay, I, no, 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 no. I am going to recover from this in a huge way right now. You know, uh, I remember now uh, the name <laughs> Jeff Craney, but it, and I'm not knocking, I'm sure uh, Kelly's uh, bio was fascinating, but yeah. he was so unforgettable, or, 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 or not unforgettable, so forgettable, that I forgot him. So yeah. sorry. I, I can give you a short version of that bio if you want, Johnny. Oh, please do. <laughs> he was a jobber. He did his job well. You're not supposed to remember these guys, really. Yeah. I do have a nice life preserver. Fucking part. <laughs> do, do, you, do you want some Madonna stuff from the encyclopedias? <laughs> Oh well, hold on. I believe. I, oh wait, I believe Kelly was going to say something, and then, then yes, please, let's go to those encyclopedias. But yeah. Kelly, you were about to say he wrestled Valentine on the previous show. It was the match where Valentine called him a nothing wrestler. Oh, and, that guy. Yeah, and he, he didn't even bother to put the figure four on him. Oh, so was, basically, Greg the Hammer Valentine was a hypnotist because he looked right at the camera in that. Remember that he looked right up at the camera and said, <laughs> "This guy is nothing, and you shouldn't even know who he is." <laughs> it worked on me because I yeah. totally forgot him. Now, Parv, please go ahead. Okay, well, my 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 short little brain buster style question. Okay, 
So in in the uh, in the true stuff professional wrestling field. Yeah, oh, okay. thanks for the plugs. Uh, <laughs> um, th- they are listed by um, uh, surname. Uh, okay, so Adonis uh, is listed as uh, you know Adonis. There are two Adams involved here. There is an Adams before Adonis in this book, and there is an Adam before Adonis in the WE book. Who are they? <laughs> what? <laughs> who is the Adam before Adrian Adonis in the WWE book, and who is the Adams before Adonis in the field guide? Adam Bomb? Correct. Oh, <laughs> nice. Chris Adams, I guess. I was going to say Chris Adams. It is Brian Adams. Ooh. Uh, Chris Adams doesn't even seem to be in here. Fucking <laughs> 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 Well, he never worked. He never wore, he, he, Chris Adams never appeared in the WWF, so. With the nickname of Adorable, some might expect Adrian Adonis to be a bit soft in the ring, but those people would be dead wrong. Despite <laughs> displaying an overtly feminine persona late in, in his career, Adonis was one of the toughest men of his time. Adonis arrived in the WWE in the early 80s alongside his tag team partner, Jesse Ventura. When injuries prevented Ventura from competing regularly, Adonis joined forces with fellow tough man Dick Murdoch. Together, Adonis and Murdoch captured the World Tag Team titles in April 1984. They held the titles for nine months before losing them to the US Express. Uh, following the loss, uh, Adonis's rugged bike persona gave way to a more flamboyant one. Despite the effeminate makeover, Adonis remained a force in the ring. Uh, he proved this right away with a convincing victory over Uncle Elmer at WrestleMania 2, which I cannot remember. Um, Horrible match. I, I love that match. In addition <laughs> to excelling in the ring, the adorable one also hosted his own interview segment, Doug the Flower Shop. Adonis's copycat tactics infuriated Roddy Piper, causing the two superstars to engage in a memorable rivalry. The heated rivalry culminated in a hair versus hair match at WrestleMania 3, which saw Piper get the win and Adonis get a haircut. And in the field guide, it says a very solid technician who won world titles with uh, world tag belts with uh, Dick Murdoch and Jesse Ventura. He had numerous runs as an East Coast bad boy. Later, he appeared in the WF using a flamboyant homosexual gimmick. Adonis died in a 1988 car wreck. Does anybody have any further insights that were? Uh, yeah, I, the, if that first stuff was from the WWF book, then it's uh, it's messed up because uh, the Piper Adonis feud was not because Piper was mad that he was ripping him off. When Piper left to go film They Live and all that, they yeah. did a thing where he handed the uh, segment to Adrian Adonis. Uh, Piper comes back, and that's what I remember. I remember seeing when it happened. It was on uh, Saturday morning TV. Uh, there's a flower shop segment, and out of nowhere, Roddy Piper walks on, and he's like, ah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. You've you done a fine job, but I'm back now, so I'm taking my spot. And he's like, what? what? No. And uh, Piper was still a heel, and uh, it led to uh, them doing the competing uh, flower shop Piper Pit segment uh, where... Uh, uh, Murdoch, uh, not Murdoch, uh, uh, Orton and Morocco mm-hmm. uh, attack him and they beat him up. And the only guys who would, would uh, help him were the Bulldogs because they had no history with him. Uh, that's how that all worked. It, it, sorry. <laughs> that was a, a major part of my wrestling childhood. I'm like, they've just glossed all over that. That's terrible. 
Any other details anybody wants to add about the adorable one? Uh, I got, I mean, a little bit. Um, he started in, where was he, Florida. He wrestled as Keith Franks, apparently, for <laughs> quite a while. Yeah. yeah. There's a name. There's a name. Yeah. Not exactly uh, star material. Um, he became friends with Piper in, in L.A. in the 70s, late 70s. And I'm, I'm looking at wrestling data. And they have them as a team called the 22s. I've never heard that before. And I don't know what it means. Like, what were the 22s? I, I, I don't want to know what it means. <laughs> Wrestling data is known to have names for teams that you've never heard of before. So I'm not sure if this was an actual name. But, um, yeah, I think they did team in uh, L.A. And then, actually... Um, Adonis was in Portland in the late 70s when Piper was there too and he was a babyface at that time and I've seen some of that uh, footage and he was pretty good and yeah um, AWA of course the legendary East-West connection tag team with Jesse Ventura prior to this and actually they came in together uh, to the WWF uh, and they were both managed by Freddie Blassie but they were mostly singles like almost exclusively singles in the WWF and not a tag team. It's weird, uh, though, isn't it? Yeah. There is one match against the Strongbow Brothers later uh, in the WWF uh, from the Garden. <sighs> I hope they kick the show. That's the only one I can recall um, seeing in the WWF. What, what, what did Jules do to piss you off? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he'll find something. I can't wait, actually. Being born. <laughs> Coming soon. Having the name Strongbow. That's it. I mean, that's really poor. Like, he should have just been called Frank Hill and jobbed. That was literally what what he was destined to do. It's a disgrace to the tag titles to put them on him. <laughs> Jules? Yeah. Uh, something to look I just for. think it's funny that, that, that they thought that was somehow, like, a, a common a Native American name. Uh, for a guy, Jules. <laughs> what, one uh, one little thing um, is uh, that Patterson mentions during this match against uh, Jeff Craney, right? Um, that Adrian Adonis had like problems all through school. Do you remember that comment? Like oh, he yeah. was, he was one of those people who uh, you know anything he tried, he kind of got himself into trouble. And, uh, He's a greaser. Well, you know, back then it just meant that he was a bad guy and a greaser, and uh, now he just he has a learning disability. And uh, poor guy. Yeah, he has the leather jacket, and then then with the Yankee thing on the back, and yeah, yeah. He, he's he's, a, he's he's a bad guy. He's a he, gangster. He was a bad kid. Yeah, but say so they say no, but nowadays you know say so oh no, he has ADD, and we need to you know make sure he's okay. Disaffected <laughs> bad bad kid. <laughs> Dis- disaffected youth. Yes. He's also billed as the Golden Boy. I wonder Ooh. if uh, if Scotland had any objection to uh, a gimmick infringement there. <laughs> Was that in the WWF? Yeah, in this ma- and before Ooh. this match, uh, he's as long as they didn't interrupt, interrupt his cribs game. I'm sure. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly what I was I'm thinking. Playing cards. I'm playing cards. <laughs> Fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially at this point, he's like, yeah, you know, I, I, I know that Bob's on his way out, and uh, whatever, fuck this. <laughs> I throw down, I, I throw down three clubs. <laughs> Although, uh, 
So to wind up the show, we have a Pedro Morales, Greg the Hammer Valentine confrontation on WWF television. So, uh, Kelly, please uh, open and tell us all about this. Well, what we get is basically the, the Valentine just uh, won a match against a job guy, and we don't even see that. We just see the, the post-match. And he challenges. He gets on the mic. You sounded, and... you sounded way too disappointed not to see the job match. I'm, I'm, I don't even know, <laughs> I know what to say. I know. I know. He was like, he's like, oh, man. You're like Eeyore. You're like, yeah. I didn't get to see the jobber match. We didn't even get to see. All we get is the promo. We didn't even get I to see have, the jobber match. Just I should have did a, a bio on that job guy that we didn't even really see other than him lying on the mat. That would have been my ultimate masterpiece, and I missed the opportunity. Oh well. Uh, so, so Valentine mm. takes the mic, challenges Pedro to an IC uh, match, uh, Intercontinental Title match, and Vince then interviews uh, Valentine at ringside. Valentine calls Pedro a coward in yellow. Of course, uh, yellow. Good old heel uh, lingo. Uh, to enrage the babyface and Pedro finally I think you know yellow was the last straw so Pedro comes out and he accepts the challenge but he says it has to be on TV which um, I guess maybe uh, the kayfabe reasoning this would anger Valentine is that it screws him out of like a payday or something at, a, at one of the bigger arenas or something I don't know but he's shaking with anger like Valentine's like this is great this could be like uh Isolated as a as, as something uh, a clip where Valentine is just shaking with rage um, with, with uh, Pedro's uh, challenge acceptance uh, that it's going to be on TV, and that's it. Uh, that's it. That's how we close out 1981, fellas. Uh, well, maybe, maybe 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 Greg Valentine just was a big fan of old fashioned radio and still hated television. <laughs> TV, why <Where are> you? <laughs> mm. <laughs> Maybe, but yeah, that was that promo. Or you know, just adding just adding a super worker to the mix just added made this company feel fresher with Valentine. You know? Oh, totally. Oh, uh, one, it's, gonna, it's, it's gonna keep continuing. One thing I want to know is why did he immediately? Why did he immediately give up on the WF title? He's like, right, I've blown that shot now. I'm gonna go <laughs> down to the IC. <laughs> yeah. Is there any more about Backlund uh, Valentine on James's set? Ah, uh, there is. There's the Philly cage match, Ooh. Ooh. which I unfortunately I believe is the clipped version from the history of I think it was somebody who has thousands of discs has a yes. You have, <laughs> and he might help. He might help his com- comrades out, and we can watch. There that you all. go. You you came through with the Slaughter Patterson Philly footage. I think you got to come through with. The... And I have another uh, Backland uh, Valentine match too. <laughs> I, love, hey. I love the the smugness. We'll just we'll just uh, keep on talking. I'll let me I'll pull up the dates real quick. That should oh, be. That'd do, uh, that'll be our special, uh, ti- yeah, a special Titans only exclusive there on New those Year, man. New Year's uh, 1982 show with uh, with the uh, unseen Valentine Backlund matches. I think is a great idea. Yeah, no, oh, that'd be fantastic. Parv, what do you got to add? Um, well, I, I, well, this is around the time I, this is around the time I asked Kelly what's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I uh, see, I see, because uh, 
Now, I was thrown to you because I trusted you to have uh, content, but hey, <laughs> uh, Pete is... Uh... Good Lord, son. I, I'm getting exposed here. Exposed. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Let me just say that Pete and I uh, earlier recorded a This Week in Wrestling that I hope you all check out. I'm uh, Kelly, I'm... Uh, sure, you have a. I believe you have a new uh, tag teams are back again coming up. Yes, uh, recorded yesterday, and it'll be nice. uh, coming out soon. It's um, a look at Marty and I look at uh, the Midnight Rockers versus Buddy Rose and Doug Sommers feud Ooh. from AWA 1986. We go through five matches from that feud, and it was a great experience doing the show. And I'm sure everyone will enjoy it when that drops oh i can't wait that was like in the dying the dying days and they still were they were the dying days let's face it of the awa that was like the thing to to watch like even if you just tuned in and 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 you're like "Eh, i just want to see the rockers rose and summers and uh sherry stuff Mm because it was it was so good it was so good totally Uh, Okay, I got the yeah. date. One of them actually won, and one of them is actually from uh, 81. It's December 12th, Ooh, 1981. Okay. And then there's the uh, cage match, which is February 16th, 82. I wouldn't be surprised if both of them are Philly. I know both of them are better. Uh, I know the cage is Philly, so I bet the other one's a Philly match, too. Yeah, they're uh, both that's... Philly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, sound, that sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, all right. One of the things we always do here on the Titans of Wrestling is uh, a wrap-up, and the wrap-up starts with the match of the night. Guys, uh, let's start with Pete. Yeah, I, I like the first uh, Valentine uh, Backlund match. Gave it four and a half stars. It was my match of the night, uh, so I'm going to stick with it. Okay, Kelly? I am going with the second Backlund-Valentine match. I Ooh. loved it. Um, not to take anything away from the, the initial encounter. It was great, too. But uh, the the rematch is one of my all-time faves. It's a great, great match. Hard. Uh, uh, yeah, the second, uh, the second Backlund, Greg. Um, yeah. For, no, I, I, for my money, a contender for the best match that we've seen, period. Mm, oh, wow. Nice. Yes. Okay, so, best worker, uh, best wrestler of of, of the uh, the footage. Uh, let's start with Kelly. What do you think? Uh, I guess Valentine. Yeah, Valentine. Pete, the Hammer, baby. Kelly, oh, I'm sorry, Kelly. Jerry, Jerry, Mark, <laughs> <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> Easily, uh, easily, uh, Greg. Yeah, you're easily, for- you're easily forgettable. Sorry. <laughs> easily, Greg. Greg, Greg Valentine. Oh, uh, Greg Valentine, all across the board. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I haven't. I, I'm only going by the memories of the ones I saw, and I have to agree. It, it's, you know, the hammer's fucking fantastic. Now, worst guy of the night. Mm-hmm. Let's start with Parv. Well, I mean, is it just a default, Angelo Mosca? Uh, now, actually, I have to say, Don Morocco was fucking sucked in that first match. He, it's got to be Morocco. Now, of the night, now, does the other one cancel out this? No, no, no he yeah. sucked that bad in that first match that it has to be Morocco. 
I mean, he actively sent one of us to sleep. So. <laughs> now, 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 well, now going to the, the the man who was put to sleep, Pete. What's your call? Who's yeah, the worst guy? Going, I'm going with Morocco. I mean, that that was unexcusable. That first match. I mean, Moscow was only six minutes of. Uh, yeah. And he didn't do. I didn't want to poke my eyes out. Uh, at least that would have kept me awake watching the uh, Morocco match. So I'm gonna go with the Rock Don Morocco. <laughs> so so really, this the, the jobber guy whose name I couldn't remember was better than Don Morocco. Well, we usually avoid jobbers, yeah, <laughs> because they're jobbers. Yeah, like, just haven't you been on the other 51 episodes? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, I, look, look. I, I have a, a love for Don Morocco, and. Uh, well, you know, I, we, we discovered tonight there's two Don Moroccos. There's Prototype Razor Ramon and Mr. Snooze. And Mr. Snooze <laughs> was the worst worker of the night. <laughs> All right, Kelly. Yeah. What's your call? Who's the worst guy? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I, I christened him Mr. Snooze, so I guess I got to go with him. Yeah, he that was just like Pete said, unexcusable. The front face lock bullshit. Oh, horrible, horrible stuff. And uh, yeah, well earned worst worker a uh, fucking stall job into a front face lock i mean how fucking lazy <laughs> is that you know no 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 now going by dave Meltzer logic that is so meta that you know he was purposely boring you to put you to sleep at home because he's working on a level that you don't understand man <laughs> All right, if we're gonna wrap everything up, I'd like to thank. Wait, everybody. wait, wait! I've got things. Whoa, 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 whoa. To, I've what got things. I've got things to plug, Jordan. I was about to, to throw it to you. All oh, right, okay, cool. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, edit this. Shit! God damn it! Okay, as we're about to wrap up, I just wanted to go to everyone and make sure that we know everything they're up to. Uh, we call it the plugs. Parv, what's up? Um, well uh, I have a Where the Big Boys Play coming soon where we are looking at Wrestle War 92 which uh, has has at least one classic matchup on it Mm -hmm. Um, we are also going to do the All Japan Excite series where we are doing a certain famous match from 1995 that people like to talk about Um, it's uh, frequently heralded as one of the best matches of all time oh Savio Vega versus Mabel (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry. ECW, ECW. Yeah. No, no, it's it's from all Japan, obviously. <laughs> um, so there we go. So the five five star Arama uh, on around the corner from me. All right, Kelly. Again, tag teams are back again. But uh, anything else coming up? Uh well, I'm on uh, Brainbuster again, of course. Yeah, uh, wait, wait. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got your gimmick yet, uh, Kelly? <laughs> no, I don't know. Oh, okay, okay. Can, can I just say, Kelly, it's getting ridiculous now. Like, I've, I've seen the sorts of guests that he's booking you against. You're literally just squashing jobbers now. It's like, you know, it, it, you're getting like... Um, you're basically getting like the kind of monster, like Ultimate Warrior style push. It's it's ridiculous. Except like, for when Titan Number Me came back and almost dethroned him at the last yep. second. Kelly pulled a, a a fast one. Right. Yep. Well, well and part... last show last show came down to a three way tie all the way to the finish. Uh, the finish, of course, you know, uh, is about jobbers. So I really didn't plan that. 
uh, Vern Kelly, but you know. Still, yeah. I believe part of if you're going to talk this much smack, how about coming on the show? Hmm. I'll consider. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel that just like just like Bob. Just like just like just like Bob Backlund in the WF has paid up all the refs. I think Kelly. Is, I think Kelly has paid off you and that Matt producer. Producer Matt paid off by uh, the Canadian connection there, Kelly. Uh, Time to put up or shut up. Are you going to be on the next Brain Buster, which is going to record one week from today? We'll have to Are see. Are you going to be on? We'll have to see. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> come on, Parf. I've taken out Zellner. I've taken out Dylan. I've taken out a myriad of job guys. I've taken out Steven. I've taken out Pete. Come on. Foot on the come ropes. On. Foot on the ropes. Handful of trunks. You know. <laughs> Handful of quarters, inside yeah. flash, inside cradle. Those are all your finishes, Kelly. Yeah. We'll be back with more, uh, more of whether or not Parv is a goddamn pussy. But right now, let's Pete. What do you got coming up? Well, we mean you just recorded with our buddy Stephen Graham uh, this week in wrestling. We went around. Uh, we talked, you know, NWA classics. We talked. Uh, we talked. Uh, Lucha Underground, we talked Ring of Honor, we talked the Evolve 45 show, we talked some Lucha, we talked WWE Raw, we talked uh, Superstars, we talked the Dusty Rhodes special, yeah, and baby. we uh, did a, pre- a preview of Battleground coming next Sunday. Check, check it out, guys. It's a, it's a fun ride. I really it's, a, it's our second show, and I thought it was much better than our first, so uh, come on for the ride, baby. Pete, how, how do you Seriously, how do you get time to watch all that stuff? Uh, I'm a single man. Who, uh, <laughs> that helps. Helps so you know, I'm uh, I, I, I have my set schedule. I uh, go home. Uh, it's my hobby, and uh, that's how how I roll. I spend Is a little time uh, socializing. Now, when I go out, I got to remember I'm probably not going to watch wrestling the next day because I'm when I go out, I like to have fun. <laughs> And I'll have a hangover, and so watching wrestling with a hangover is probably my least favorite thing to do in the world. So I never do it. Mm-hmm. Wow! All right, so Parv, I'd like to thank you for graciously uh, handing over the reins of hosting well, Titans of Wrestling well, to me. Oh, and I leave work early a lot too. Well, I, well uh, I, I think the listeners can vote. Right? If you want to have Johnny on full time as a host, tell us in the feedback. Say Johnny for host. And I'll step aside full time because it's actually quite chilled out sitting back here saying nothing. So. <laughs> okay, do, do you do you, you really don't want that? You really don't. <laughs> Arv's ego that. couldn't handle the truth. Couldn't <laughs> handle. Well, we, we'll see if you if you want. If you want you ego stay. maniac. <laughs> Your you, ego can't even handle going on Brainbuster. <laughs> you, I, I, I do not want to be part of something that shatters your entire psyche. There's a lot of parv maniacs out there. You, you know, there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of child molesters out there too. It doesn't mean that they, they mean anything. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's I thought you did a pretty good job actually, Johnny. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I well, I was starting that to be gracious and thank you and hand the reins back. But if you're going to be a bitch, 
Okay, that's fine. That's fine. All right, everyone, I hope you've all had a great time. I've had a great time. This has been the Titans of Wrestling number 51 here on the Pro Wrestling Only Place to Be Nation Network. See you next time and have a great week. I don't ask too much, no. That's a good thing, you know. I think I could adapt to a pretty low level of existence. Anyway. And uh, along the fringes of the land, you know, you find a lot of nice people. Staring at the stars Eyes open wide Back in the sand That's where I am Staring at the sun Going blind out here Fond of everyone how did I get here? Beach bums unite together and teach the world to love Just like that old song spoke of the hawk and the dove That's the freedom I've been dreaming of Just enjoy the scene When you live in a hammock I think I'd take a swim Down in the clear blue sea It gets hot in the shade It gets too hot for me Beach bombs unite together And teach the world to love just like that old song spoke of the hawk and the dove That's the freedom I've been dreaming of Sun is in the sun John is passing out Mary's on the moon It's children running by Everyone's at peace Everyone's in love A picnic on the beach That's what I'm talking about Beach bombs tonight Together and teach the world to love Just like that old song spoke of the hawk and